So a man went to the sheriff's office to report that his wife was missing. My wife's missing, he said. She went shopping yesterday, and then she never came back. Okay, the sergeant said. So what's her height? The man said, gee, I'm not sure. A little over five feet, I guess. So the sergeant asked, okay, uh, what about her weight? I don't really know. Not too slim, not too fat. So the sergeant asked, well, what color are her eyes? I never really noticed, the man said. Well, okay, how about the color of her hair? Well, she does change it from time to time, so um, probably dark brown, but it might be blonde. (laughs) What was she wearing? Could have been a skirt or maybe shorts? Sergeant asked, what kind of car was she driving? Oh, the man said, she took my truck. What kind of truck was it? Well, the man said, it's a brand new 2018 Ford F-150 King Ranch 4x4. It's got custom leather seats with Bubba floor mats. It has a heavy-duty towing package with a gold hitch, a a DVD with navigation, 21-channel CB radio, six cup holders, and four power outlets. Oh, and my wife put a little, a small scratch on the driver's door, and, and then the man started choking up, and don't worry, the sergeant reassured him, we'll find your truck. <laughs> it's Yom Kippur. It's the time to remind ourselves of what really matters in our lives. And as I often say, to remember that the most important things in life are, are never things at all. They're always the people we love and the values that we cherish. I'm sure many of you remember actually my favorite Jewish story of all time because it actually happened to Didi and me a number of years ago when Didi's aunt Shirley and Uncle Lenny came to visit us from Los, to Los Angeles from Israel for the first time. Uh, So we wanted to give them an authentic L.A. experience, and so, of course, we took them to a fast-food Mexican restaurant. And there we all were standing, looking up at the menu, and all of a sudden, Uncle Lenny says, Shirley, look, you can get nachas here for (laughs) $1.25. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I told that story again because I literally think of that story every single year at the high holidays because I get nachas here just from the privilege of standing in front of all of you once again. Yom Kippur is inevitably a particularly challenging spiritual time for all of us because it's, in a sense, a day filled with contradictions. On the one hand, we are challenged to renew our faith in the future and to pledge ourselves to act in the months and years ahead as our best selves and to feel inspired to live each day with the certainty that we are powerful enough to make a difference in the world. You know, we are taught that famous midrash each year to imagine that in one of our pockets we have a little parchment scroll that says the whole earth was created for my sake and And on the other hand, we are reminded with every prayer in the prayer book that in our other pocket is supposed to be a very different parchment that says, I am but dust and ashes. In fact, the ancient rabbis 
taught that this entire day is designed to emulate our own funerals, to imagine that this is the last day of our lives and that we are standing in front of a divine court judging us, reminding us of the words that we have and have not spoken and the deeds that we have and have not done. Reminds me of the man who was feeling really terrible and so he went to his doctor for a checkup and after the checkup the doctor came in and shook his head and said I'm afraid I have really bad news you're dying and you don't have much time oh my god the man replied well how much time do I have ten the doctor answered ten what the man demanded in desperation months weeks and the doctor answered nine eight (laughs) seven For the past two years, I've been working on a new book that will be coming out this year, published by uh, the University of Nebraska Press and the Jewish Publication Society. It's a Torah commentary based on the writings of Rabbi Mordecai Kaplan, the intellectual founder of our movement of Reconstructionism. It's titled A Year with Mordecai Kaplan, Wisdom on the Weekly Torah Portion. And so during the writing of the book, I had the privilege of reading through hundreds of quotations from Kaplan, and then I linked Kaplan quotes to each Torah portion along with personal stories from my own 40-plus years as a rabbi. Kaplan was a, a towering genius and a prolific writer, and I had the distinct privilege of studying with him personally while living in Jerusalem. Of all his prodigious quotes, perhaps my favorite of all, is this simple, unpretentious statement. He said, what does it mean to be good? It means to make things and people better. What does it mean to be good? It means to make things and people better. Life seems increasingly complicated and confusing these days for all of us. The world is filled with contradictions and uncertainty, panic about the rise of violence in our schools, so pervasive that Amazon is now selling bulletproof backpacks. Fear over how to address the increasingly frightening impact of climate change. Just witness what's going on this very week from Florence. What to do about the ever hardening polarity and divisiveness of our government and how to respond to the the invasive impact that manipulating social media is having not only on our politics but the choices that we make and the decisions that we make every single day about what we purchase or the medicine we take and a thousand other decisions. All of that is enough to make our heads spin. More and more Americans don't read the newspapers anymore or watch the news not just because it's always bad, but because their trust in what is true and what is not true grows more and more confusing and uncertain every single day. So I read Mordecai Kaplan's simple wisdom, and I exhale, not even realizing how often I'm holding my breath, waiting anxiously for the next shoe to fall. What does it mean to be good? It means to make things and people better. What could be simpler? What could be clearer than that? 
And the reality, to the surprise of many, is that we Americans do just that, make things better, literally millions of ways every single day of the year. You may be surprised to know that according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor, over 64 and a half million people volunteer almost 8 billion hours of their time to nonprofit organizations, churches, synagogues, and civic groups alone in the United States every single year. This is an amazing statistic. And my friends, this is the true nature of our country. This is what it means to be part of a community where you understand that each of us has a responsibility to one another. No one of us can survive literally without the others. Contrary to the image that so many people in the world have of Americans, that the only station we tune into is WIIFM, what's in it for me, Americans are in actuality literally the most generous and the most giving of any country in the world, period. And of course, I'm proud that the entire country's foundation of communal participation and giving stretches back to our Torah and the ethical and moral foundation for communal life that we gave to the world so many thousands of years ago. You know that the founding fathers of America knew the Bible well. George Washington, Thomas Paine, John Adams all said that their favorite verse in the entire Bible is the prophet Micah 6.8, God has told you what is good and what God requires of you only to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. You see, imitating God in our actions, our attitudes, our behavior has been a hallmark both of Jewish ethics and the American way of life from its inception. That's why the Midrash always taught a community is too heavy for anyone to carry alone. Well, Mordecai Kaplan also taught Don't merely expect to find or to believe that life is worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. That, he believed, is what it means to be fully human. It's to remember, especially when life is difficult, when tragedy strikes, when we experience setbacks and failures, why the very first thing that the Torah teaches us about human beings, as you know, is that we are all created but Selim Elohim in the image of God. We believe, we Jews believe that every single human being, every single one of us was born worthy with fundamental spiritual self-worth. Even the people sitting on the other side of the aisle, regardless of where you are sitting, we live the truth of knowing our worth when our actions add to the holiness of the world in which we live. This is the ultimate challenge of this sacred day as well. It's to live your worth every day, to act as if you know you are worthy of the inheritance that is yours, to live the imperatives of the prophet Isaiah, which we will read in tomorrow's Haftorah, to loose the fetters of wickedness and undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry, to take the poor into your home, and when you see the naked, to clothe them, and to recognize and not to ignore your own kin. Then shall your light burst forth like the dawn, we will read. That's what it means to know your own worth. I read a story, actually on Facebook, I read a story that Natasha Howell, a young woman of color, posted 
not long ago during a particularly trying and tense time in the life of her own community after yet another unarmed black youth was shot by a policeman. And it touched my heart. And this is what she wrote. This morning I went into a convenience store to get a protein bar. As I walked through the door, I noticed there were two white police officers, one about my age, the other several years older, talking to the clerk, an older white woman behind the counter about the shootings that had gone on in the past few days. They all looked at me and fell silent. I went about my business to get what I was looking for, and as I turned up the aisle to pay, the older officer was standing at the top of the aisle watching me. As I got closer, he asked me, how you doing? And I replied, okay, and you? And then he looked at me with a strange look, and he asked me, how are you really doing? And I looked back at him, and I said, I'm tired. His reply was, me too. And then he said, I guess it's not easy being either of us right now, is it? And I said, no, it's not. And then he hugged me, and I cried. I'd never seen that man before in my life, she wrote. I have no idea why he was moved to talk to me. What I do know is that he and I shared a moment this morning that was absolutely beautiful. No judgments, no justifications, just two people sharing a moment. And her post was followed with the hashtag, love what matters. Well, I don't know Natasha Powell, but I read her post because it went viral. Natasha and the police officer moved past skin color and a police uniform. They stopped thinking about their own issues and differences, and they simply paid attention to the other human being that was standing right in front of them. This is what it means to recognize both ourselves and everyone we meet as made in the image of God. And it starts with knowing that we matter, with knowing our worth. When you know your worth, like Martin Buber's famous ideal, you, you see yourself and the other as a thou and not simply an it. That's what happened between the police officer and Natasha. And I think this is why the post went viral. In a time with the, when the, the divinity, the godliness, the holiness, the worth of the others out there is so obscured by our fears and prejudices and the righteous indignation of our political positions, Natasha and the police officer did just the opposite. This, this is Yom Kippur. This is our judgment day. And truthfully, nothing in life causes us more pain and suffering than the judgments we hold about and against ourselves. So tonight on this, this Kol Nidre Eve, my challenge to all of you for this year is simple. It's, it's know your worth. Really know your worth. In fact, I'm launching a campaign right now, right here, with all of you. And then 
literally next month throughout the community with my Home Shalom project entitled hashtag know your worth. So as you leave tonight, I'm going to give every one of you one of these because you know I like to give things away. It's a keychain, and it says hashtag know your worth to remind you all year long that when you know your worth, you stand up for yourself with confidence, you speak your truth, and you have the inner strength to recognize and value the worth of others, including those with whom you totally disagree. A few years ago, Didi and I went to a rabbinic conference in New Orleans, and so one morning we went to the famous Brennan's for breakfast. There we met a man named Roy Boykins. He was an older African-American man who had worked at Brennan's for over 30 years. And when we told him we were from Southern California, he said his one trip to Los Angeles many years earlier had changed his life. And then he told us this story. I'm a black man, he said, who grew up in the South. And once I went to visit my relatives who moved to Torrance, outside of Los Angeles. One day, he said, I decided to walk from Sambo's, remember Sambo's? From Sambo's to the coffee shop across the street. And when I stepped off the curb, the traffic stopped. The traffic stopped for me. I was so shocked that I walked back and forth across the street all day a hundred times just to experience that amazing sense of power and respect and worth that I felt to have folks stop for me. And I've never been the same. Hashtag know your worth. Well, as many of you know, these past couple of years, I've been working with my Home Shalom project and partnering with Naomi Ackerman of the Advot Project and Jewish Family Services to raise awareness of the reality of domestic abuse in our community. Sadly, domestic violence continues to be the leading cause of injury to women in America. Every nine seconds, a woman is assaulted. And studies show that the Jewish community, unfortunately, experiences abuse at about the same rate as the rest of America, which is perhaps as much as 15% of the population. So even if we give ourselves, of course, the benefit of the doubt and say our rate is no more than 10%, since there are around, I don't know, 400,000 or so Jews, adult Jews in Los Angeles, and half of them are women who represent about 90% of those abused, that means up to 20,000 Jewish women right here in Los Angeles, some of them sitting next to you in this very room, have been victims of intimate partner abuse. 20,000 right here. Even more depressing, a Kaiser Permanente poll showed that 40% of teenage girls aged 14 to 17 reported knowing someone their age who'd been hit by a boyfriend. And date rape accounts for 60% of all reported rapes, with the majority of victims between the ages of 16 and 24. So I've been sponsoring healthy relationship workshops for teens these last couple of years, listening to them share their insecurities and their fears and their relationship experiences and those of their friends. I've come to realize the life-changing power that comes with knowing your worth as a teenager or as an adult. 
That's the goal of every workshop, to empower these kids to know their worth, to stand up for themselves, to speak out when necessary, to know that who they are matters, to remember the words of famed psychiatrist Carl Jung, who once said, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. When you know your worth, you refuse to be abused. You may have heard that ridiculous story, so obviously I'm telling it, that ridiculous story of the man who was refused entry into a fancy dinner club with a strict dress code because he wasn't wearing a tie. The doorman sent him away with the instructions to return if and only if he had a tie wrapped around his neck. And so the fellow rummaged through his car, and but of course he couldn't find a necktie, but he did find a pair of very thin jumper cables in the trunk, so he figured, what the heck, I'll fashion a necktie from the jumper cables. He returned to the door of the club, and the doorman saw the jumper cables like a tie and realized that technically he had to let him in. So he shook his head, and he said, well, I guess you can come in. And then he grumbled, just don't start anything. (laughs) My advice is, start something. Start something small. Start something new. Start something this year, as Kaplan so poignantly said, to make things and people better. Ultimately, that's how you demonstrate to yourself and to the world that you truly know your worth. Amen.